Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Our God palms this world like a basketball player palms a basketball. He's got it in his hand. Nothing catches him by surprise. What you're going through, he's got the key to unlock your breakthrough. And he gives you that key. Mm, 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 mm. That's good, isn't it? Woo! I'm, I tell you the truth, before the song even started, when Julia was doing her preaching, I was ready to shout. I think she preached the sermon, the song preached the sermon, and we can roll. But I'm going to share it anyways, because I believe with all of my heart that God laid this message on my heart, because he changed my sermon that I was preparing to preach, that I was more comfortable with. This is what he wanted to be shared. So somebody here is going to get this blessing today. If you will, while you're standing, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. This morning, I'm going to be talking about, and then came the overflow. Everybody say, overflow. overflow. You sound good. And when you find it in your Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, say, I got it. Oh, y'all got it. So we're just going to roll with it. And if you don't got it, it's on the screen. In verse 15, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, and he said, and this is a, a prophet speaking, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, the battle is not yours. Turn to your second choice of your neighbor and say, it's God's. If you would, all over this building, would you join with me in prayer that his anointing would continue to rest in this service in a mighty way. Dear God, thank you so much for this time that we have together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, this time and this freedom that we have to worship you. God, for this body of believers, I thank you. I know that you have placed each and every one of us here by divine assignment. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that I would get out of the way and that you would speak through me today. Lord, I know you gave me this word and I know it is for somebody and I hope it's for a lot of bodies. But God, I pray that your anointing would be in this place today. Anoint my words. Let me get out of the way and you speak through me. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Woo! So I felt this message strong in my heart because as I said, when the pastor asked me to speak, I, I had one. I had a go-to that I was ready. I was fired up. I couldn't wait because I had shared it somewhere else, so I was a little more comfortable with it. But then as I prayed, I feel like the Holy Spirit prompted me with three words. And those words were breakthrough, miracles, and overflow. I said, man, I love that Holy Spirit, but what, what, what do you want me to share? And as I was searching about those words through the Bible, I stumbled upon this beautiful story about King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 
And it was confirmation that I, this is the one, this is the one. And, and to be honest, I have not uh, studied like I should about this word in the past, but I've dug into it this time. And I love it. And before I go any further, I want to make sure that somebody knows that today is your day for a breakthrough. Today is your day for a miracle. And today is the start of your season of overflow. I believe it with all of my heart. That's the season that Bethesda Church of God is in. We're about to step into something we have never seen before. It's something that we can't comprehend, but God knows. All we got to do is trust his word. Amen? And the cool thing about it, and, and you'll hear it in this story, but in the same place that the enemy said it was going to end for you is the same place that you're going to step into a new beginning and walk into blessings that you've never seen. This ain't how we speaking. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. Mm. Woo. All right. Now we're going to get into it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, now I started in the, the middle of the chapter, and this is when the prophet is speaking uh, to King Jehoshaphat in Judah and Jerusalem. But I want to uh, stop flip it in reverse and go to the very first verse uh, to begin and just kind of walk through. You can keep your Bibles open to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 because I'm going to be going back to it a good bit as we roll through this story. But in verse 1, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now King Jehoshaphat in chapter 19, he had just cleaned up the kingdom. I mean, he got rid of the idols. He brought people back to God. He put the kingdom in order. Can I tell you, before you can get access to God and to heaven, you got to get your house in order. And that's exactly what King Jehoshaphat did. But now, listen, he's worked hard to get his kingdom in order. And what happens? The Ammonites come. The Moabites come. And all the people of Mount Seir come. So the brother is being surrounded by an attack of the enemy. He's got enemies coming at him from every single angle. Now, his, his enemies were called the Ammonites and the Moabites. Now, we could put that into our personal life and, and talk about our enemies, and we could call them the financial troubleites and the health problemites and the cancerites and the depressionites and the anxietyites and the family problemites and the addictionites. And here's the worst part of it all for King Jehoshaphat. They all came at one time. Have you ever felt like you were in his situation? And you were in the middle of a war zone and the enemy was surrounding you from every angle and you look to your right, there's no relief. You look to your left, there's no relief. You look up, you look down, you look all around and you are surrounded by attacks. And everything seems absolutely hopeless. See, you love God, this is what happens. You love God, you're doing your best to serve him, you're doing your best to live right, you're going to church, you're paying your tithes, you're sowing good seed, but you're in the fight of your life. And you can't see any signs of it changing because we look through earthly eyes. Then here comes the people in your life that um, some of you might have some in your life. You better check them if you do. But here comes the people that feel like it's their job and their ministry to tell you how bad it is and how bad the enemy is. And all they're doing is magnifying what the devil's doing. That's all they're doing. So in the Bible... It says in verse 3 that Jehoshaphat feared. It said that he feared. Can I tell you, in Romans 10, 17, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But can I tell you something else that comes by hearing? Fear. 
Fear can also come by hearing. And one of the greatest weapons that the enemy has is fear. Fear will open the door to sickness. Fear will open the door to depression and disease and oppression and worry and anxiety. Fear will steal your joy. Fear will steal your peace. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25, Job said, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Fear is a child of the devil. In 1 John 4, 18, it talks about fear. It says it involves torment. I don't care who you are, how anointed you are, how spiritual you are, or how close you are to the Lord, you're going to have to face off with fear. And some Christians can find themselves in a prisoner, as a prisoner, to fear. And, and I don't want to glorify fear or magnify it either, but I want to put it into perspective. Fear has many faces nowadays, that we have the fear of sickness and the fear of losing our jobs and the fear of not having income, fear of disease, fear of failure, of criticism. But my brother Timothy gave us some really good news. In 2 Timothy verse 1 and 7, or chapter 1 verse 7, he said, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And today in praise and worship, I believe we tapped into that power. The only way that we move forward is to conquer the spirit of fear. And the first thing that Jehoshaphat did when he was attacked by the spirit of fear was he turned to the Lord. So he's got it up on the screen in verse 3. It says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now, let me say something right here. God gave the church, God gave the believers all that we need to overcome in this life and to advance his kingdom. Our weapons are not weak. They're strong. They're powerful. And they are effective. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. But listen, it doesn't matter how powerful our weapons are, because if we don't pick them up, they are useless. So we lose many battles as Christians, not because the enemy is greater, not because he's smarter. It's not because he's got better weapons than we do. No, no, no. It's simply because we don't take full advantage of what we've been given by God, our creator. So the first thing in this story, the first thing Jehoshaphat does is he launches the weapons of prayer and fasting. We've just come out of a 21-day fast. We've already heard testimonies during the fast, and I know that they're going to continue to roll in as we gave our first to the, of this year to God in fasting and prayer. Fasting multiplies the power of your prayers. It magnifies the effects of your prayers. If you're serious about needing a breakthrough, then be serious about fasting. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. In fact, the power of the fast is told to us about in Isaiah chapter 58. It says it'll loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, and it'll empower you to break every yoke that binds you. So, Jehoshaphat and his kingdom, they encountered a problem. But that brought forth prayer. And in 2 Chronicles Chapter 20, verse 5, Jehoshaphat in his fear brought forth a prayer that reached heaven. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, 
O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that not one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we'll stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And down in verse 12, it says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. So his problem leads him to open up his mouth in prayer. See, prayer is an invitation to heaven to address something going wrong here on this earth. In the Lord's prayer, he told us to stay on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jehoshaphat cries out to God, and he reminds God about who he is. He reminds God about what he said, and then he introduces God to his problem that he's facing. I've heard it said many times, no problems catch God by surprise. Your problems haven't caught God by surprise. He's just waiting on you to cry out to him for help. You want to know how God wants your attention? You're facing a problem that you can't see any way out. But God has the answer. God will always honor his word. His word is true. But if you don't know what he said, you won't know how to use his word. Right? See, God didn't just give us his word to use in a Bible study. It's good in a Bible study. And it helps build us up and it feeds us. But he also gave you his word so that you could use it in an hour of crisis. Amen. Jehoshaphat did something that a lot of us are too proud to do. He cried out to God for help. See, there's something powerful in a cry out to God for help because your cry is an acknowledgement. I can't do it on my own. I need help. Your cry is an acknowledgement and it's a recognition that God, this is far beyond what my human efforts can do. I need you. Jehoshaphat's cry creates an avenue for the power of God to work in his situation. And one of the greatest enemies to the power of God is pride. Pride will kill you. Look what pride did to Lucifer. He was the worshiping angel, but then got prideful, and he got sent to hell. Keep pride out of your life. Never be too proud to cry out to God for help. What seems to be weakness is actually the most powerful thing that you can do in a tough situation. Right in the midst of your trouble. Right in the midst of your circumstance. No matter what faces you. I'll tell you something what I do when I get into a, an hour of distress and I look every which way and I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I usually turn to song. And one of the songs that they were talking about, we're doing a hymnal services and I'll, and I'll be honest, that's not one of my favorite things. Julia asked for you to raise your hand. I didn't raise my hand. Forgive me, Julia. <laughs> and forgive me, Lord, and forgive me, my ancestors, because I know they have strong words in those hymns, but they're not some of my favorite things. I still love some of them, though. And when I get into my hour of distress, one of the songs that does speak to me is when I'm crying and I don't know what to do. I can look up to the heaven and say, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, 
my Savior, I come to Thee. And let me tell you, by the end of the verse, you done forgot about your problem. You've forgotten what situation you were in because you're in the presence of a king who can take care of your situation. So the problem led him to prayer, which brought forth the prophet. And in verses 14 and 15, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel and he begins to prophesy. And listen how he starts it. He starts by saying, thus says the Lord. Now a thus says the Lord can change everything. A thus says the Lord. See, I don't care what the banker says. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what your lawyer says. I want to know what does the Lord say. I, I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what the economy is saying. I don't care what the president, I don't care what the government is saying. I want to know what is the Lord saying. It reminds me of Brother Thomas Simmons that was here at our church. He has passed and he has got his reward in heaven. But his wife was on her deathbed and the doctor had said, she's about to die. You need to call in the family. And Brother Simmons, wouldn't, he wouldn't accept it. He would not accept it. He was a dear saint of God. He told the doctor, he said, listen, this woman has brought people back to life in prayer. So I choose to believe the report of the Lord. So much so that the doctor called in the pastor and he said, you got to talk to him. He's crazy. We need to get the family in so they can say bye because this woman's not going to live. She lived for years after that because he didn't believe the report of that doctor. He didn't feel a release from the word that he had gotten from God. See, one word from God will change everything. It'll make you unsinkable, unshakable, unbeatable. Doesn't matter what the world looks like around you. One word from God will turn your famine into plenty, your sickness into health, your weakness into strength. You're not enough into more than enough. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the El Shaddai. I've heard it before. He's not El Chipo. He's the El Shaddai. He's the God of more than enough. All you need is a word. It reminded me of the centurion uh, in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, the centurion's servant was sick, and he came to Jesus. He found Jesus and said, I need you to heal my servant. And Jesus said, well, I'll come, and I'll heal him. And he said, no, no, no. You don't have to come. All I need is a word. You speak the word, and my servant will be healed. And that's when Jesus said, whoa, I haven't seen faith like this in anybody. And he spoke the word, and that servant was healed. All you need is a word. So what did the prophet say in this scripture? What did the prophet say? What was the word that they got? Well, it was something that sounded ridiculous to our earthly ears. Because in verses 15 through 17, it says, Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They'll surely come up with the, by the ascent of Z's, and you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Mm. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And again he says, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. That's a good word, isn't it? Now every natural impulse was for them to find a cave and hide until the, the storm goes away. Not to go out against them, but that's exactly what the word from the Lord told him to do. Go out against them. So in verse 18, after Jehoshaphat received this word, he says, it says that, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. 
They got a word and they went to worship. And then in the end of verse 19, it said they stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with voices loud and high. Loud and high. They didn't say, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. They got a word from the Lord and went to praise him with voices loud and high. And then skipping to verse 21, uh, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And then in verse 22, he said, Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So we see a problem led to a prayer which brought forth a prophet that has now led to praise. If you want to know what God's address is, if you want to know where God lives, he lives in a house on a street called praise. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 22 verse 3 that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That's why the Lord said in Isaiah 60 verse 18 that he dwells in the gates of praise. So you say, what is praise? Well, the last time I spoke, I talked all about praise and worship, but let's put it with worship. Because the scripture that we read said that Jehoshaphat bowed and worshiped, and then he stood up and praised. So there's obvious a little bit of a difference in there. And, and what worship is, it's my adoration of God for who he is, for what he's done, and for what I'm trusting him to do. It's my recognition of who God is. I worship him because he's God. But now praise, praise is the visible, it's the verbal, it's the audible expression of my worship. You see, but there is a, a thing called silent worship, but there is no such thing as silent praise. Your praise confuses the devil. Amen. Amen. If you want to drive the devil crazy when he throws something hard and heavy at you, all you got to do is praise the Lord like you done lost your mind. Because praise breaks up the lines of communication for the enemy. See, when the children of Israel began to praise God, it brought total confusion into the ranks of the enemies. Their rank and file, their strategy that they had, and their order was completely destroyed, and they started killing each other. See, some of us have never understood the power of our praise. Your praise is a weapon. See, because praise will go to the foundation of your problem and shake it to its core until it doesn't exist anymore. Praise will open up doors. Praise will set the captives free. We were talking about breaking every chain. Your praise will break every chain that binds you. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. And when we praise God, God moves into our praise. And when God moves into our praise, our problems don't stand a chance. I'm drawing it to a close, I promise. In verse 24... It says, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. No one had escaped. I was talking about earlier, he's not a God that does it halfway. He's not a God that does it almost. He's a God that not one of your enemies will be let loose. Not one will escape. So if you'll let God fight your battles... He'll take care of every one of your enemies, and not one will escape. That's enough to make me want to shout for the next three days. God's going to take care of my enemies. 
I don't have to worry about them all by myself because my God, we sang it last week, my God fights for me. I can stand still, as the scripture said, and see the salvation of the Lord. I can hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles. I love how it's said in Romans 12, it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. God can take care of your enemies a whole lot better than you could ever think about taking care of them. <laughs> Treat them with love and watch God work on them. Another way of saying is God's going to get the last word even if we get in the way sometimes. He's going to get the last word. We ought to praise God because he's taking care of our enemies as we stand, as we sit right here, right now, and not one will escape. Not one will escape. If you would, all over the building, as the music begins to sound, go ahead and stand up, because if I don't, I'll just keep on going and going and going. God is taking care of your enemies, and not one of them will escape. You know how in the commercials they give you a great pitch and then they say, but wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. The story didn't end right there. God doesn't just want to get the enemies off your back. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. It's a good plan. It's not to harm you. It's to help you and to elevate you and to promote you. God not only destroyed their enemies, he brought them in to overflow. Overflow. And in verse 25, it says, When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. More than they could carry away, and there were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. What do you call that? Overflow. You're right. You got it. Amen. Can I tell you, God is getting ready to bless you in some unusual ways. In fact, God is going to use your enemies, the ones that's been trashing you and trying to destroy you. He's going to use your enemies to bless you. Mm. From the same place the enemy's been launching the attacks, your blessings are going to flow. They were there three days gathering the spoil. That's overflow. They went from a problem to a prayer to a word from the prophet into praise. Mm, mm. He said each day they carried jewels, but there was too much to carry. It was too much blessing. It was a too much blessing. Have you ever had a too much blessing? Are you ready for a too much blessing? I promise you, I felt this word from God. He changed my heart to do this message because somebody needed to hear it today. I hope it's a lot of bodies, but somebody needed to hear it. Their overflow came. It was all because they got into a problem that they couldn't solve, which led them to prayer. Their problem led them to prayer. Some of you might be here today and you've got a problem. And you don't know how you're going to get out of it. I'm here today to tell you that your, this altar, if you will come and lay it at the foot of Jesus, your problems will dissipate. You know something that the, the Jehoshaphat and his folks did? They got a word from God and then they praised. They praised God before the victory. 
They praised him because his word is true. They praised him because if God said it, then I believe it. I'm going to receive it. And they did. As a matter of fact, they got all overflow. All you got to do is pray and give it to God and he will fight your battles for you. If the altar team could come forward. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.